Listen up, squibs. You may find this podcast to be fucking explicit. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Shadow Swarm Radio Hour. I am your host, Brendan Carrion, and I'm joined today by my good buddy, Adam. How's it going, everyone? And we have the newest member of our roundtable panel. You know him from Full Metal RPG. I bet you know him well. We got Ben. What's up, everybody? Excited to to be here. Welcome to the show, Shovelhead. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) <laughs> and then today we are joined by a guest from my role-playing past. I've spent many hours around the table with this gentleman. He's played in a lot of games, and he is a fine GM, I have no doubt, on his own right, and he's run a lot of things. He's played in a lot of things, but we have him here to talk about Wraith today. We have my good friend Mike. What up? Good evening. Thank you for having me. Dude, it is our pleasure to have you on the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour. So, it's been a little bit since we've done an episode. Um, we're kind of a little bit off schedule, but what we're doing is the new schedule. And I know that uh, I made a little announcement. I probably made it sound like we had an FMRPG coming up first, but that we had already worked out the scheduling for this Shadow Sworn. So, I thought, let's just go ahead with this Shadow Sworn. Let's release it right away. This means that you probably won't get another Shadow Sworn for quite a while. Um,. And then we had some other problems today with, like, you know, life. You know, everybody was having getting trouble. Getting here, getting, work. Getting to the overtime. spot yeah. to, to record. So there is not going to be a forever night review. And Cue sad music here. Uh, yeah. I was sort of looking forward to that, honestly. Womp womp. Yeah, Sorry. it's, it's, well, a, it's a beautiful time. tradition. It is. It's a beautiful tradition. And... um. I think that probably what we'll do is is maybe we'll just do like a little episode where we just where we just review Forever Night episodes to kind of catch us up. That might help. We can yeah. get through two or three, just blast through them. Exactly. That that I think that would be good. Um, so, it, you know, there's been a lot going on, and to reiterate what I said in our, our little announcement last week, we're now down to two episodes a month. We're going to do one Full Metal RPG that is a general round table role-playing conversation and we're going to do one shadows from radio hour a month which is a round table conversation about world of darkness games chronicles of darkness games the onyx path line of games and the white wolf now resurgent main line of games uh thank you for listening always guys we appreciate that you're back that you're so patient with us and uh now let's just get down to the brass tacks of uh what have we been up to? You know, well, I feel like there's been a lot going on. I've had a lot going on. What have you guys had going on? Oh, you want to defer to me? Okay. Hey, I'm fine with that. Hey, new guy. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, we just relaunched Giovanni Chronicles. We just relaunched Giovanni Chronicles. For the first time in like 20 years. Almost, like it's kind of yeah. appropriate with all the 20th edition books coming out. Indeed. Um, and it's fucking rad. I was a little hesitant to join, I got to say, a little hesitant. Um, you know, I had such fond memories from the first time, and I didn't want to, like, you know, I just didn't want to, like, worsen want- the experience or have a, you know, have it carry over. Or- you didn't want to do a RoboCop reboot, is what exactly, you're saying. Exactly, exactly. You didn't want a RoboCop reboot of this whole thing. No, and, and uh, you know, after talking over, uh, we sort of decided that wasn't going to happen, and um, yeah. we decided to go ahead and uh, and do it. 
and it's been fucking great so far. It really has, huh? I th- I feel like we had a really strong character creation session. Um, we have some new guys that have come on. Some we've got some old <sighs> who really old... really like showed some game in the character creation process. Indeed, indeed. It's 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 an interesting crosscut of personalities we have playing in the game because we got two old school vets. We got Dustin back, and he's and he's. He's old school now, but he's not so old school that he played Giovanni the first time. So this is all new to him. This is the first time he's even played Masquerade. And yeah, when, yeah, he hasn't like, played any like of the original White Wolf line. I think. What a lucky duck, right? Yeah. Because now he gets to uh, experience that whole the formation of the Camarilla and the Sabbat and stuff, and the destruction of the Giovanni or the Cappadocian clan. And he gets to experience that as a player character with no knowledge of it from just reading a whole bunch of books and shit like that, which is kind of cool. And then we got two new guys we've never played with, uh, but they're both uh, avid listeners of the show. We got Matt and we got Christopher. Shout out to Matt and Christopher. Yeah, next session should be Christopher's first. Matt's first was uh, last week. Yeah, and um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Intros were made, and 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 I think you know we're all sort of approaching it from new areas, or at least I mean I am, and I know that Brian, uh, Jeff is as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, now that we're sort of like more adult, it's almost like we have more like I don't know, just insanely darker concepts, and just sort of like egged on by the new guys who had incredibly dark concepts. It was interesting because uh, we were talking, Adam and I were talking at one point about about what it's like playing wad games and how, as a GM, there's two types of groups that end up happening. There's the the the, the wrecking ball group that kind of coalesces and then just cuts a cuts a bloody swath through your game. Or there's the completely dysfunctional group that is at each other's throats the entire time, and it really seems like at this point uh, uh, the new Giovanni game is 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 starting to look much more like a wrecking ball. We'll see what happens with the introduction of the two new characters. Yeah, I mean the th- the three characters who've already played are the darkest of the characters. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and each one of them is single-mindedly horrific all on its own. And then when they kind of get together, the potential for just mass chaos and destruction is 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 really horrifying. Yeah, sure. you have to make it through the forming phase though before you figure out if they're going to coalesce like that. Because there's a lot of times where just one little thing will happen and it'll it it'll almost happens that one guy off, and he'll be like, "All right, my goal <laughs> is to just wreck everybody else's it, plan." It almost happened again in this one because I remember one of the like signature moments the first time we ran Giovanni it was actually between you Ben and you Mike yeah when, the ca- when your characters first met literally the first times that your characters met and Ben's character dismissively treated you like a servant right yeah and you yep. and you and you took offense my, to that my character outside the player the character didn't like that the player didn't like that much either <laughs> the, the character definitely had issue with that and it, it definitely set the stage for some uh, uh difficult interpersonal interactions throughout the rest of the chronicle that's oh uh, yeah like 500 years of of of, of two people like attempting to kill each that, other that would be it yeah that's what i'm talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> something like that almost happened where uh, Jeff's character walked up to Matt's character and said something similar, where he's, oh, I, I see by your clothing that you must be the servant of somebody else. <laughs> and uh, Matt's character didn't care for it very much, and he, he, made that, he made that known. But this time, Jeff just backed off. He oh, my apologies. <laughs> 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 and, so, and so things are going well with that regard. I, I feel like there was a strong character creation, 
strong first session, and uh, I'm looking forward to session two, which is going to be on Saturday. Uh, Christopher and Dustin couldn't make session one, and so their characters will be joining the main party from a different direction, and so they're gonna do, we're gonna do this kind of like a second party building prologue session. And then we'll get really into the meat of it probably in session three. In session three, it's going to get, like, real. It's going to get real. <laughs> We're going to see some fucking blood and some fangs and shit. It's one of those nice things about Giovanni Chronicles. It gets real real fast, and it stays real through the whole thing. It's, yeah. It's not a light game. It's true. The The, the first book, uh, the, the first module is very thin. And, and really, when you get to the – there's this preparing the adventure part. And then when you get to the actual adventure part – it's like it's like three or four pages, and it's like okay, and then there's these vampires, and they're fucking with you, you know. So it it, it cuts to the chase real fast, real fast. I am drawing it out because I like to be a slow burn guy. I like to give people an opportunity to to get the feel of their characters before uh, they become you know in eternal undead monsters. And I, I feel like that helps. So we'll see. Well, when we've been doing some good, there've been some really good writing as people put together already. So we're trying to create like a strong. Um, a strong kind of narrative and some art to go with stuff. I'm thinking about starting a Tumblr page. I'm told that Tumblr, somebody was explaining to me Tumblr the other day and like the way that the interface works. I think that it could be really good for our, for our campaign with a lot of visual references and stuff. So that's, that's our exciting news. What else will you, Adam, how's your, uh, Gamma World game going? We haven't run Gamma World in, <laughs> since the last time I talked I, about it. it I'm hopeful been, for like session four coming I, up soon. Yeah. I'm hopeful for this weekend, but like I, every time I have gone to run it, something has come up with somebody else or the work has completely blown up or something. So, um, I, maybe this hey, weekend. I'm, I've got I my fingers know. crossed. I've we'll got my see. fingers crossed. Yeah. I want to see how we, uh, continue on our journey to become the overlords. Yeah. Of, uh, it's going to be interesting. Metro Phoenix. We've been out of the loop for a while. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and pick that one back up again and see where see where we go. But you're um, hoping to play this weekend. I'm hoping to play this weekend, but I was hoping to play last weekend. So I don't know. We're gonna see how. It goes. But it was a near miss last weekend. It was a near miss last weekend. Yes, we had some unexpected stuff come up. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. We're okay. gonna find out what happens. So cool. Good. St- good. Stay tuned. We'll have more in the future. Now, now, Mike, I know that you were involved in a long-running Shadowrun campaign. Is that right? With yes, a, yes, with actually, a... we just uh, just buttoned up the first chapter of that Shadowrun campaign. Oh, two so weeks that was ago. the first chapter. Yes, that was the first oh. chapter of a much longer chronicle. And the the goal is is we were trying to to find a good cutoff place for the holidays because everyone's yeah. schedule gets really screwed up because everything goes to so, shit in the fucking holidays. Yeah, it's it's, it's the, over. The last few months it's been running for a, a good four months plus. Um, we were running a, a very nice Shadowrun game. It was nice to be actually playing again as opposed to running anything because I had uh, I'd run a few games prior to that and then um, I'm taking a step back from actually moderating the games in order to be able to have a chance to be a player again which is very exciting for me what edition are you guys playing uh, 3.5 and say, yeah, we're, we're, we're playing older because that's the books that the person who was uh, running it decided to play. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What, what game is this? Shadowrun. You're playing what what version? I think he said it was, it was round of three. He's 3.5. He no, no, that, no, that's Cameron's game. He's he's yeah. running five. Um, that's fifth edition. The books are black, right? No. Really? Really. Because I could have sworn I had a conversation with him on Facebook. He was trying to get the fifth edition books, but at last check, he hadn't put it all together. I didn't even know oh. there was a 3.5 edition of Shadowrun. <laughs> I thought that was DD. As one who doesn't yeah. have any of the uh, the books, I cannot say. What does the, What's the cover of the core book look like that you're know. using? I don't have the core book. But you don't see them referencing it at the table? Oh, hell no. We don't use the books for anything. 
Really? Yeah. It's a Shadowrun game? You don't use the books for anything? No, we just we did like, it for our character build, and that was it. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's nice because for my character specifically, I structured it so that way I would have to do as few dice rolls as humanly possible. In in Shadowrun, that's, that's a difficult proposition. It's a very technical game. Yeah, that's part of the fun of Shadowrun is getting like a gigantic fistful of D6s and like, just hurling it down at the table like, like a hailstorm. Uh, in any given game, I was rolling dice maybe four times a session. Was that uh, just you or was that the party? That was me. Okay. Was, was the rest of the specifically yes? Was the rest of the party making a lot of checks? Uh not very many. No, we we did That's not good. have that many checks going. I I don't think that I've moved away from making a lot of checks in my role playing. I how how did you feel about it on on Giovanni one the on the first session? How did you feel about the number of checks that were made? It was fun. Yeah. Well, we I think I made like maybe five dice rolls. Five dice rolls. Yeah. And I think one or two of them was self-initiated, or was initiated by another player who was trying to convince me of something. Oh, okay. You know, I'm really trying to keep it down. I, I, I know that there's all these little weird, little quirky subsystems, and I think that in Shadowrun in particular, like, um, you can get lost in them if the GM is very kind of like statistically minded. But uh, like the other day, I was listening to this actual play podcast of a Shadowrun game, right? And they're in downtime. They're not even on this. They're not doing a run. They're on in downtime, and one of the players narrates that his character is so kind of shattered by what's been going on with their runs and stuff that he's suffering from post post traumatic stress, and so he goes to a stuffer shack and he literally buys all the alcohol, like all the alcohol he can buy at the <laughs> stuffer shack, and he then he goes and he drinks it. He drinks everything, and so the GM rules that he in a in a like a, a drunken stupor, he staggers out into the road, he wanders into the barrens, then he falls face down in a gutter unconscious. And the other the other player characters go looking for him and they find him, right? And so they go so the he, the guy goes, Okay, I try and wake him up. And the GM says, You can't wake him up. And the guy goes, Okay, well then I'm gonna carry him back to the to our haven or whatever the fuck they call it. Our our, our house. And the guy goes, Okay, roll body and I'm like, what does how wait why, like why how how does this like uh how does this forward the story, to roll body to carry the guy back, to the fucking house like it doesn't I mean if he fails then what's gonna happen then you're gonna have this guy standing here going oh how am I gonna get him back you know that it doesn't it's not it's not interesting it's not compelling, like why bother making the roll so then the guy succeeds, in the roll right. And the GM goes, um, oh, well, he's really heavy. Take four stun damage for carrying a troll. I'm like, I mean, this is in downtime, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like what, why, do, why does it fucking matter? It's like needlessly technical. Yeah, it's assigning points just to assign points yeah. at that point. And yeah. that's, that's something that was really good about this game was is it was almost entirely dialogue-driven. Um, we were talking before, the, uh, before we started the podcast that in the entire course of the game, in all the sessions that we played, we're a good two dozen sessions, the total number of shots fired on the part of all members of the group Every single member of the group, total cumulative shots fired was three. Three gel rounds shot the entire game. That's killer. Because we tried to work through all the problems using as little firepower as possible. And there were guys who were armed to the teeth. But 
We just didn't have to fire shots because we came up with creative solutions to be able to take care of things. One thing that we were mentioning beforehand, uh, uh, one of the, the situations where, again, we we're trying to reason things out, we pulled into a parking garage and there were 10 or so zombies in there. And of course, they're trying to reason out, all right, how do we take out the zombies? We realized it's easier just to use the van. So we just ran them all over. <laughs> and that was, in fact, a dice roll that we uh, we had to utilize. And we managed to pull it off, much to the consternation of the GM, which was fantastic because I think he assumed that it was going to be a long, drawn-out firefight with us yeah. to deal with things coming out of shadows. And we just turned the lights on to the front of the van and backed over everything. What, what, what has been really interesting and educational about listening to this actual play that I listened to is listening to the tone of frustration creep into the in, into the uh, GM's words. <laughs> because I remember the last time I ran Shadowrun, and I would set up these runs, and I'd be like, okay, this is going to be tough. They might not make it. And then they'd be like, I'm just rolling all these dice and just blowing everybody away and just getting through it, right? And I found it really frustrating, and I thought, like, am I doing something wrong? To be fair, I, my memory was there was one player rolling a bunch of dice, and the rest of us did nothing. <laughs> oh, oh well. so it was like the Star Wars game all over again, <laughs> where it was like one guy doing everything, and then I, yeah. I was like, oh, what do you do, Adam? I cower behind some crates. That guy, that guy was the hacker. Yeah, the hacker guy was just going through everybody's, like, pans and just turning off everybody's cyberware. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh so it, it's great listening to the GM pause the session and be like, explain to me how you have that many dice to roll. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear that cuz I'm like it's not just me. Anyway, so now we're talking about Shadowrun and it's a World of Darkness podcast. But I I really feel like Shadowrun and World of Darkness are kind of like cousins. In, they are. In the they have that world. whole new like Unseelie Courts book or whatever yeah. they just put out, and it's the Fey book where it all takes place in the land of the Fey. So they're, at, they're at, pretty similar. I think at this point it's pretty well known that that when Mark Ryan Hagen was developing the storyteller system, he basically just looked over Shadowrun's shoulder and said, "I like that. I'm going to turn it into D10s," and and that was the that was the genesis of the storyteller system. And on that note, Adam, I have a little something to show you after we're done with this. It's a it's a choice little find I found at the um <laughs> at the at the used bookstore. Oh, all right. Which is the game that Mark Reinhagen ripped off the subject matter for Vampire the Masquerade. Really? Yeah, it is the it is the predecessor to Vampire the Masquerade. It's called Nightlife. Huh. And I heard about this game when I was in Seattle that uh when that 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 uh that Mark Reinhagen was uh was 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 had this idea about how he uh, a game he wanted to do and then he he encountered these guys who published this game called Nightlife at Gen Con. And the big conceit of this game was it's 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 a world of of gothic horror and you are the monster. And he was like, that sounds really interesting. Right. And when you when you see this game, you're, you'll be like, whoa. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like finding like in Sir Francis Bacon's like attic, like uh, a script called like Romeo and Julia. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really interesting. It's really so, interesting. Oh, cool. Um, I, I, I want us to do an episode about it, but like, you know, yeah. After yeah, we've later. had time, after we've right. had a chance to really go through the document. Um, so what, what's coming out guys? What the fuck's coming out for, for white wolf? Anybody, anybody watching stuff? So I went on their page and looked at that. There was an yeah. update about Pugmire, which oh, um, boy. all up on that Pugmire. Oh Pugmire yay. hotness. Yeah. I understand Can't. that you're, you're like a uh, number one fan, right? I, I am a uh, <laughs> Corgi. I'm going to play a Corgi uh, and a uh, Corgi Paladin. And I'm going to just gonna play Pugmire for that's the Gamma world is eventually going to become Pugmire. Just so you know, uh, that's a little spoiler there for you. 
Well. They're all going to get replaced by sentient dogs. Um, so Pugmire. And then uh, the other big update was the Beckett's Jihad Diary update that they just posted on the 9th where they were talking about, oh, we met our stretch goals. So that means we're going to do X and Y and Z. And we're going to have like these other signature characters show up in it. And I was oh, kind of like, I couldn't care about this even a little bit. So uh, like, Okay, here's the thing. As I know you and I have bagged on the Beckett's Jihad Diary like pretty, pretty roundly, but... I'll probably buy one on print-on-demand. If it's cheap enough, I'll buy one, but... Apparently, it has a whole bunch of storyline updates to everything. It does, and it's got a bunch of stuff about, like, the Tamahiran, some other stuff that I'm really interested in seeing what they do with it, but, like, it's going to have to be cheap enough to make it work. If it's another one of those $50, $60 books, like, Oh, well, it's going to be. It's going to be 50 bucks. It's going to be no less than 50 bucks. Maybe I'll just borrow yours if you get it. It's it's, going to have a pretty significant page count, I think, but it's going to have updates to Montreal by night. It's going to have updates to Giovanni Chronicles. I think it's going to have updates to Transylvania Chronicles in it. So unless they just strike the entire fourth chapter and like redo it, I don't really need an update to the, Transylvania Chronicles. The highly dubious third chapter as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, third chapter was at least it had nuggets of usefulness in it. The yeah. fourth one was so awful as to be unplayable. So it's at least for me. I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there who loves it. So I guess send me hate mail if you love it. But I, I. It killed I, my. I it never, falls it that sort killed of like, that game for me. I stopped running that game as as soon as I got done reading the fourth one. I was I've, like, "Well, I'm, I'm not going to run." It this falls into that sort of like '90s land of excess and like like comic Ma- booky kind of like. Yeah, it's like crazy just shit. Maximalist. Yeah, role it's playing. just when when they got into that phase where like, oh, nukes are the solution for everything in the world of darkness. So there's going to be like nukes in it, and it was just like, wait, why? Yeah. Like when they did that thing with Ravenous where they're like nukes yeah. and well, then they was, did the thing with the end yeah. of Wraith where they're like nukes and then they did, and that was part of the Ravenous thing and then they did the, the thing with Abilismar and the the Fourth Transylvania Chronicles of nukes and it was just like all right I mean I get <laughs> it guys. Also wasn't there a nuke thing with the um with the end of the Tremere with the Gortrix and all that shit? No, that was the Gortrix. They invited them all to that ritual, and then Tremere was like, ha ha, suckers, it's Tremere. I'm here. And he took over Gortrix's body and, like, immolated all of them. Yeah, lame. It was Um, stupid. I I, I noticed that uh, Promethean the Created is now in print, so you can get that in your print on demand. That's no longer just a PDF. That's pretty hot. They have the pre-print alpha versions of Kinfolk and Secrets of the Covenants. So, yeah, Secrets of the Confidence and uh, Hurt Locker. Or Hurt Locker, that's the other Hurt one. Locker. Kinfolk's the one that released, and Hurt Locker is the other one that's pre-release. Yeah. Which, so if you're like a if you're a Chronicles of Darkness guy, things are really getting rolling now. I am super stoked for Secrets of the Covenants. I'm very so- stoked for Secrets of the Covenants. A little disappointed, Hurt Locker is not about John Hurt, but <laughs> yeah, you, I'll roll forward what, is with it, that. Is it, was it was it John Hurt or was it William Hurt that we ran into at Games Day? At GW Games Day, I can never remember. I I, I, I I wasn't there. You weren't there. No, I wasn't there. Oh Jesus! I, okay, everybody, you know what G- Games Day is? It's like it's like a it's like a GW convention that they used to hold in in, in uh, Ontario, which is outside of um, Los Angeles. And I went there at the height of my GW mania. To I, I didn't even go to play any games. I literally just went there to buy Forge World models, right? <laughs> and like standing as in, you do exactly. And standing in the line to buy Forge World models was it's either very British, John you know, Hurt about you, or you drove William across Hurt. states to queue. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> to it queue was, to buy something. It was. It was one of the Hurts, and uh, I made eye contact with him and recognized him, and um, 
he did the thing that like when I moved to LA and lived there for a long time, I became very familiar with, which is they know they can see it in your eyes and you recognize them. And he like looked away really quickly with this like, don't talk to me thing. And I, and to this day, I always wonder, was he there buying forge world shit for his kids? Or was he like there to buy himself some shit? Like he really <laughs> wanted the space armor for his like land Raider doors. You know what I'm saying? He wanted some like some death garden. Like guarantee you, he wasn't playing Tyranid. So why? maybe he was maybe Maybe. um anything else coming out guys anything else we got some other products that i mean this is just world darkness shit we got some other products we want to review on the next show some very exciting shit but we'll discuss that on the next show right yeah that's not not the place for it here um other products uh, I they had a really good run where they put out a ton of stuff, Ghouls and Revenants and the Tamahe book. And, yeah, I'm still trying to recover from and the, it. The I, I, I don't have any of that Hunter's shit. Hunted and, and all that stuff. Like, they put out a ton of those books and, like, just a big, blah, here's a dump. And then yeah. uh, it was pretty quiet after that. It seems like they're really focusing more on um, Werewolf because that was, like, it was Kinfolk and... The Book of the Worm they and the other one. They do always seem to have a bunch of werewolf so shit coming out. They don't come they? out in bursts. Never fucking ends. And so I don't think Vampire is in the burst right now. I think they're prepping the next big burst of whatever it's going to be, which my guess is given uh, that Mage came out third. It's probably going to be Mage stuff, but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, we'll yeah see. I don't know. I, I don't we'll know. See. I've, I've the- always been tempted to buy the, the Technocracy convention books but i haven't i haven't gotten them so. there's that new um dark ages book coming out which is cool i'm looking forward oh, to which that. one's that oh a... like the uh, tome of tome of secrets or something oh okay it's, it's essentially an expansion for the for the 20th anniversary edition of vampire the dark ages which i know i have been quite salty about on this show and i've been like oh blah it doesn't hold a candle to the old books and it's very dry to read and all this shit it is very but, dry to read but, but this is what i will say is that as i am running the uh, a giovanni game that book has so much utility. I mean, well, I, that's the thing is, it's a toolbox. It's it's they, yeah, that's they what's did so that crazy. whole thing with uh, Chronicles of Darkness, and I'm starting to see it creep into the World of Darkness stuff. No, where that's what the that, that's essentially what the the 20th edition book, 20th right. anniversary edition books are. They're that's what they are. Boxes. They're very hard to read because they're super dry so and they boring. don't hook you like the old ones do. But as a really GM. Trying. Um, it is one-stop shopping for pretty much everything that you need. If there's yeah. a weird bloodline, it's in those books. If yeah. there's a weird discipline power, it's in those books. Dude, if there's a background or uh, anything, it's for, in those books. For, so for, you don't what, have to what, truck what you around. Want it for are those are the goddamn roads, man? Because you go into 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 Dark Ages uh, first edition, which I love. I love that it's a, it's, it's a beautiful edition, right? And the and roads like, are like seven roads. all over the place, there's and like, some of them are just, in not even Dark Ages books. Like some right. of them are like, go see uh, Player's Guide to the Sabbath, and you're but, like, but in the core book, okay. there's like, in the core book, there's nothing. You know, right. you have to pick it up in the Libel of Sanguinous stuff and mm-hmm. in the other source books, Winds of the East and all this kind of crap. But you buy... Cappadocian book, the Bali book, You get the that, that VDA book. 20 book and it's just like, go. Just it's got all the shit that you need. It's fucking yep. great. So so you know what? I'm changing my grade on VDA 20 from... I don't know what did I give it before. A minus? I'm giving it now an A plus. Well, no, I'm giving it just a regular A because it's still boring as shit to read. And See, that's got, the thing. I'm like to the point with them where I'm like, they get Bs. Like, I don't want to read them 
they're useful, but I just, I don't enjoy my time with them like I did the other ones. I have gone out and spent an ungodly amount of money on first edition Dark Ages books. I mean, oh, and speaking of Transylvania Chronicles, the only one that has any value is Transylvania Chronicles 2. You can get Transylvania 1, 3, and 4 for like 10 bucks a piece. Right. And then for whatever reason, you can eat no less than 30 on Transylvania 2. You know why? Because 2 is Son of the Dragon, and it's got Dracula in it, and that's what everybody wanted to play. No one gave a shit about anything except when Dracula... Dracula showed up. They said, get the book with Dracula in it. Then the third book come out and everybody said, what is this yeah. bullshit? Yeah. And they didn't buy that one either. The first one was pre-Dracula. The second one was Dracula, which was the one everybody wanted. And then the other ones weren't really worth talking about. I think that the second one has a lot of uh, metaplot stuff in it too. It, has it some, does. It has some really big deal metaplot stuff. So people who are like super cannon hounds feel like they got to own it. It's got a lot of the stuff with the Kapula in it and the yeah. Cathedral of Flesh and Yorak, Yorak and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, and Yorak is great. I love Yorak. He was a <laughs> hell of a lot of fun to run as a GM because he sure. was just insane. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's the best book. The third book is lackluster. The fourth book is an abomination. And the first book is you basically know, just is window The second book is the one I remember the best as a player. So. Right. Yeah, the second book was the one that everybody remembers. But the one thing I will say for the first book is, is it gave me all of the tools to make all of the characters that you guys spent the remainder of the time of that chronicle hating the guts of. Mm. Like, I just remember there was this whole, like, swath for a year where everybody just wanted to murder Nova Arapod. Murder no- I remember mur- murder Nova Arapod. <laughs> that was, like, like, everybody's goal for the yeah. longest time was we must murder Nova Arapod. And I was like, man, I can't let this character die. She's too good. She was way too much fun. One of the things that's kind of interesting about Giovanni Chronicles and Transylvania Chronicles is that even though Giovanni Chronicles was written first and predates the Dark Ages series of books, is it's almost kind of like a sub-chapter of Transylvania Chronicles. It happens right in the middle of Transylvania Chronicles. It really should have just been part of that line. And I really think that when they were writing the Dark Ages stuff and they were saying, oh, let's do a full line for this, that I think that they were inspired a great deal by the success of Giovanni Chronicles. And I think that Transylvania Chronicles was like, oh, now let's tell the whole story of this thing. Because if you try and just, if you, if you're going back, when, when I ran Trans, when I ran Giovanni the first time, I hadn't read Transylvania Chronicles. I was just like, oh, I read all the Giovanni books. That's all I need to know. And then it became clear to me from talking to you, because you were running Transylvania concurrently, that, that there was a lot of overlap in what was fucking right. going on in these goddamn stories. Mm-hmm. So now I'm really educating myself on what's going on in that storyline. And I'm having to make conscious decisions about how am I going to differentiate these two storylines. Because it would be so easy for the Giovanni Chronicles just to get lost as sort of like a chapter in... The Transylvania Chronicles. Transylvania Chronicles had a very wide breadth and scope. It, it touched on a lot of stuff. Um, and that was what was both challenging and great about it. Um, I really enjoyed my time running it. And, uh, and I thought it was a really fantastic game. I will say the one thing I am disappointed in with it was that they didn't make it a Black Dog game. Because I think they could have done some really dark, messed up stuff with it what, that what? they just didn't get into. Because I feel like they were like, well, we got to... And I, I don't know if the Black Dog books just didn't sell as well as the other books, if it was harder There's to no get way into they people's could have. hands. So maybe that was a commercial conscious decision they made. But there, you know, if you look at the history of that region and you look at the history of guys like Vlad Tepes and, and what was going on, it was very violent and bloody and 
dark and they just kind of well you know i mean yeah that stuff's happening but we're not really going to pay a whole lot of attention to it. i think what's interesting now 20 years out looking back on this is that black dog ends up having a very kind of like nebulous place in the history Uh, i i thought you and i were always big fans of black dog and i remain a big fan of black dog but at this point i feel like a lot of people felt like it was just kind of like over the top kind of masturbatory and a lot of that was because of things like uh the femori book and the Spectre book and Hole. The Spectre and book's you know not what even I mean? that bad. It's not that and bad. Hole but there's, is a joke. Hole is a joke, but there were a lot of people who just who didn't have a sense of humor about it. It's it's a tasteless joke. It is it's a, a tasteless it's, it's joke. A, it's a big giant poo poo joke. But I mean, who cares? Right. But there's there's just I just feel like there were a lot of people. Oh, Black Dog. It's all splatterpunk. Oh, it's all and you know they didn't really help themselves with the illustrations they were putting in those books either. So, yeah. like in Destiny's Price, you got a lot of like really bondage stuff and over the top. And then in the Spectre's books, book, there was a lot of really like, dark art. They're tame now. They're tame. They are tame, but you need to remember at the time they were subversive. It's it's that thing we were talking about last it's, time where it's what are yeah. they going to do to make yeah. it subversive again? Yeah. It was subversive back in the 90s. It's not subversive now in the it sure as shit isn't. 2010s or whatever, but it sure as shit was subversive back when they were coming out with it. I don't know another game at that time that was doing that kind of stuff. It's funny. Uh, the other day, Heather said to me, she goes, last night I watched, um, um, oh, Jesus, what the fuck? Desperately Seeking Susan. She goes, I watched Desperately Seeking Susan last night. I'm like, yeah? She's like, she's like yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. I'm like, yeah? She goes, I remember it being like so risque. But it's just not. I'm like, no, no. It probably I mean, they probably do worse stuff on TV now yeah. than all the like really saucy shit that Madonna was doing in the '80s. You know, that was the thing. I remember watching all those movies, like the Terminator, the original Terminator, and Aliens, and Highlander, and all those. And you look back on now, and you're like, this isn't even that bad. You know, no, there's not really much even going on here. I mean, a lot of those things at the time they were pushing the envelope and you kind of wonder if they didn't push the envelope where we would be today. Yeah. Yeah. We, get to, anti- point. we get to antichrist from that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're laying down those foundational blocks, which we keep building off of. But as we're trying to capture people's attention, I mean, we see this escalation. In yeah. It's once you shock violence. someone, you have yeah. to escalate it to get to that next level of shock yeah, value. Yeah. So I mean, in many ways we should actually be treasuring the fact that we managed to uh, live through the risk game moments we don't even have risque today it's either yeah explicit or not I yeah mean, i mean it's like you know, yeah. little kids are at home watching like russian beheadings or something on like yeah. on, on youtube you know i don't know how you get much worse than that i don't know what a black dog would look book would look like now and and it's obviously a topic for another episode where we could just talk about black dog but i, I was very dismayed to be listening to our friends on darker days and they basically were saying that they'd hate the, the black dog line and that killed me it was like a stake into my heart because i love the black I dog line I'm trying to think of a black dog book I don't like. Um, like I love Fomor, I love Fomori, I love Spectres, I love the Giovanni Chronicles, I love Destiny's Price. Like what other ones were there? Dude, well, we'll get there. Were, oh, the Showa. clan book ones. The oh yeah, one of the clan uh, books was one. Bali, Bali. I like that one. one. Yeah, the uh, Showa Charnel Houses of yeah. Europe. Oh, Showa, yeah, Showa was like Showa is is it, yeah, that is it. 
Well, that's, depressing, they, depressing yeah, that's, game. That, that's one of those books that it seemed to be a deviation from the rest of the Black Dog line. A lot of the Black Dog line was explicit. This one was just very factual in the it, way it delivered. But things. it dealt with really dark themes Absolutely. that I know when I read it, I was... I. When I was done with that book, I put it down and said, I can never, ever run this because I can't do justice to it. Yeah. Um, and it's so no, that's interesting because they were saying the same thing. They did a whole review of just the book. Mm-hmm. And right. They, and they I listened like, to their review. And they were like, oh, I'll never run this. Yeah. And I was like, and I was I wanted to jump up and be like, challenge accepted. Yeah. yeah. But oh, not me. I After I read it, I was just like, there is no way that I had the context necessary to present this in the fashion in which it deserves to be presented. Well, so I'm not even going to touch it. Well, um. It's as a document and as as a book, it's it's well done, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, I don't like I don't know what I could do with this. You know what I mean? It's like if somebody was like, oh, here's a book on like um, child sex rings, you know, and like and you can run a game about this. I just I don't know what I would even do with this. I don't know how to broach this. I'd run the shit out of that game. I'm I'm. I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fucked up person, I guess. I, I, to me, there's like very few taboos in terms of what I'm willing to do at the gaming table. As long oh as the man, see, I just know I'd be running down. that game, and some guy would come in and he'd be like, "I'm gonna play jokey McPetterist guy," and then yeah, I'd just we, be like, "I'm gonna murder you now." Like, you, not you even your character, have, just you as a person. I'm like, just gonna murder you. <laughs> you gotta vet your players, yeah, though. They got There's gotta the be buy-in. I mean, we're, it always, it always comes down to this when we're talking about horror gaming. We talk about this once an episode which is you gotta have buy-in you know maybe we should rename the podcast you gotta have buy-in <laughs> see i feel like you've always had i don't know i feel like you've always had choices of players whereas i've always kind of just been whatever i have at the time um so i don't know maybe maybe it's less of a maybe it's just a question of the number of people you have available to you i, I don't know man we've gone through i yeah we've had plenty of games where we didn't have players to buy in and um, there were some dark days there. There were some days when I felt like I was really running on fumes. Yeah, I think I think that it's only because we had those days that we're at where we are right now. Right. Where we're like, well, fuck it. If you guys don't want to do this, then go do like, something GTFO. else, man. Like, yeah. Well, GTFO. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something with, with me. I mean, because I just finished running those most recent Wraith game that I ran was uh, one of which called Warsaw Chronicles. And it was based off of Charnel Houses. And I had to vet my players very thoroughly. And I had a big circle. I mean, we had seven to start. And that was probably more than I should have had by about one or two. Yeah. But I it just, was it was a, a tough game to run. It was I feel like you would games. just get that one guy who just wants to turn it into a joke and uh, uh, I don't I don't know what I would do. Yeah, well you can't play with him. You can't he's not allowed to be in the group and you gotta know who that is before. Yeah, you don't always you necessarily know. know who that is though no, until you, they show you, up and they start cracking but, Nazi jokes at your table and you're like, Okay, get out. You know what thing, I mean? No, that's the thing though, is is, is is you don't start a brand new group with that. You ha- you have to run something else and then and then, anyway, yeah. we are we are at a great segue. I was just thinking the same thing. Some fucking wraith. How about we take a little break, we like uh, uh, wet our whistles, and then we get back and we talk about some fucking race. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Yeah, Sounds like good. a plan. Killer. Come on down. 
And we are back to talk about Wraith. Wraith the Oblivion, one of the darkest of the World of Darkness games with our good friend Mike. Good evening. Thank you. Yeah, I always felt like it was one of the darkest, honestly. I mean, what kind of experience do we have with the games here? I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm the least experienced guy with Wraith. I've like, run it and I've played in it. Um, and I have a full collection of Wraith. It's one of the one of my favorite book lines from the original World of Darkness stuff. Uh, the only book I'm missing from it is the art story book, uh, Face of Death. The oversized yeah. yes, one. The oversized one. one. Oversized one. Um, and so I have a deep and abiding love for Wraith. Uh, it is a difficult game. It is a challenging game. Um, and it has some unique gameplay rules that I think add to the challenge of running and playing that game. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. Um, shadow one. guiding is specifically what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hang on, hang on. Let's see. Before you get too deep into that, Ben, what's, what's your experience? Uh, I have much it? less experience. Uh, I have experience as a player in Wraith. Um, nevertheless, I'm always struck by like how just dark and grim the game seems. And I think the mechanics really lend themselves to that, like you were saying. Um, specifically, I've played in one of Mike's games. Yeah, oh, you yeah, played back, right. in, the, back yep. in the college right. days. And Adam was the there, one, too. That was the yes. one that I played in as well. I'll say that's it, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever played. Maybe did I play in your game? I don't think you were there in that game. I don't no. think I played that game. No. I have no recollection of playing in that game. I ran once when it was new, like when it was like uh, the soft cover with the glow in the dark uh, clock oh, yeah. on the front. Edition, right? yeah, First yeah. edition, I I ran for some high school buddies, and it was kind of like this. Uh, everybody was kind of bored, and we we're like, "Oh, well, what do you want to do?" Let's. I was like, "Oh, I got this new game, Wraith. You want to give it a shot?" And we hadn't really figured out what it was yet. We didn't really understand it, and. Uh, it was a terrible one-off game. I, I, it's one of the worst things I've ever run, and I've run some really shitty shit. Um, it's I, a, it's I, a hard game to play prepared. I can't imagine just kind of coming into it all <laughs> half-cocked and yeah. trying to yeah. run it and being like, I'm going to have a good time and, and being successful. Like, yeah. I, It was a game they didn't really have pre-published adventures for in any meaningful way just because i don't no. think they even knew how to get their hands around it they had that necropolis atlanta book yeah. they did yeah and it wasn't really a great wraith game they had um they had a the ends of empire stuff that was meant to be yeah. like a storyline book but that was just like this big Here's a bunch of stuff that happens, and yeah. like you're, we're gonna railroad yeah. your player characters through this, and they're gonna see all the stuff that happens. And it was, I mean, it was interesting. One of the things I always thought was great about Wraith was the progression of the story that they put in it of the character who eventually becomes the ferryman, who's like one of the last Memnoi or whatever, yeah. who who carries the memories of of Charon yeah. uh, around for him, and. Uh, and I always thought that was I always that was one of the few fictions in White Wolf books that I looked forward to reading. I was like, I wanna I don't even remember the guy's name, but I was like, I wanna find out what happens to him. I wanna see where he goes next. Because in every single book it was about him and his travels and what he would see. Um and it worked really well. Um the problem with it was is it was it worked really well and it was just one guy. And so with Wraith, you if you're going to play it in a meaningful way, you're going to have a table full of people. And bringing them together is incredibly difficult because everyone has their own passions and their own fetters. And unless you can work with the players to get overlap on some of those, um, 
everybody just goes fractious and goes off in their own direction. Yeah. Because I remember in your game, I left the main group Mm -hmm. and I was off doing my own thing. So there were entire portions of that game where it was just you and me talking. Yep. And then entire portions where I was just sitting there while well, the rest of so, the, of the so group did stuff. And I was I also just sat talking because I was hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we get before we get too deep into the you know into the nostalgia tar pit here, um, let, let's 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 kind of create a context for if if somebody's out there listening to this show, and I doubt that there is any such person who doesn't know what the fuck it is we're talking about. Let's just, let's give a little bit of context, which is Wraith was the fourth game in the storyteller series, right? And in it, you were supposed to play a ghost. Okay. You're supposed to be, you're, 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 you're a, a, a spirit, a little, right? Yeah. Incorporeal this, being. Th- this is part of the challenge of Wraith. And I, I, Wraith is far and away my favorite world of darkness game. It, it is. And it's a great game for seeing how people work, not just as as players, but how people's personalities are really expressed. But it's particularly challenging because you really can't go into it as a novice. You had to have done some amount of role playing before and, and kind of understand who you are and how you come to a game. Because if you don't, it's very difficult because you're not just playing one person. You're actually playing two entities. You're playing both yourself as well as a dark persona of someone else. So that already puts a, an extra dimension of difficulty on there. And you don't necessarily have any control over the composition of the other person's dark side either. Precisely. They kind of come in and go, here is my shadow um, that I made, and here's my dark passions, and yeah. and you're going to be running this. And you so, just kind of so, go, so, oh, okay, well, how so do the, I make this As work? a player character, you, you, you assign the traits to your shadow and then you and you and then you pass that shadow to somebody else to play. Well, not always. And this again to put it into context, typically with a wraith game, you play recently dead. I mean, some of the wraith games will have people who have been dead for a long period of time, but by right. and large, you are a recently deceased individual who finds yourself in a darker version of this reality. And that place which is called the Shadowlands it looks similar to this, except corrupted, decrepit, falling apart. There, there are different aspects to it. The the advice and, is your dark passion should be dark reflections or or self destructive urges of your counterpart of your main character. So if you're playing a character who's like, um, my fetter is my wife, and uh, I want to uh, let her know I'm still here and that I love her as my passion. Your dark passion should be, uh, it's her fault I'm dead. Uh, I want revenge. Well, we, we should probably explain what passions and fetters are to people who who don't know coming well, in. Well, I mean, this. I think I think it would, it would help to because because I imagine this kind of conversation to be very technical because because wraith ends wraith up being, is a very technical. It gets game. weirdly technical, so. So you were describing what gets called the Deadlands, right? Yeah, and yeah. There's the 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 Shadowlands are essentially Shadowlands. A, a dark reflection of this world. Well, and the people who are familiar with Stranger Things will will know the Upside Down. Certainly, I mean this Upside Down is right. Pretty so it's much like a just, decaying version of our world. Sure. The other thing is that it's connected to the Tempest. Sure. Well, yeah, but, and part of the challenge of this, though, is is that I mean, even before we get into the the nuances of the Tempest or Stygia or any of the Dark Kingdoms or things of this nature, all the technical details, the reality is is that most of the wraiths, the the players who have died and are now existing as ghosts, they're not quite sure why they're there. 
They don't know why they exist in this shadowy temporal realm where reality just seems to be the other side of the shroud, just barely there. They can almost touch it, but they can't really interact with it. Right. Most of them aren't aware of why they're there or what to do. And this is the big challenge in Wraith is that you have these two... Well, you don't want to call them polar opposite forces because we don't really know what they are. On one side is what they call oblivion, which is the sort of dark urges for you to self-destruct, to decay, to, to completely annihilate yourself. On the other side is transcendence. And the problem is, is that nobody, as far as we can tell, has ever reached transcendence and come back. So There's a third side. And that's know. that oddly authoritarian, like, uh, uh, staid uh, culture of Stygia, the... Yeah, but Stygia the, the argues regions. that you don't want and it's like just or this, the other. It's so. this weird governmental, like imagine the worst DMV you've ever been in and multiply it by a factor of like a 10. That weird like governmental, super hierarchical, very unchanging government of the dead where they're just kind of like, come in and get your number and like we're going to assign you to your legion. And so, so the game starts with this dark reflection of the real world. Well, the game and then starts it, with with you being having your call removed, really. Well, well yeah, right. assuming like that, yeah, you you die, you find yourself in the dark version of this reality without And you're really not able any, to free yourself. Someone else has to free you most of the time. Yes, and so that's, that's where you can either be there's merits and flaws around who frees you, but like you can be captured by a guy who basically is just going to take you to Stygia, Stygia and have you forged into a coin. Um, and that's kind of the way that they recommend introducing everyone to that whole government of the undead and everything is they got reaped by somebody who's going to take them to Stygia, to the to the local branch of the Stygian offices, and then they're going to get assigned their legion and everything else. But, but Stygia is, in and of itself, it's very kind of surrealistic and kind of over the top. And, and to be totally honest... Seems a lot like hell. It look it looks and feels kind of like a very grim and foreboding it, hell. Well, Stygia is supposed to be the the bastion of protection inside of what would seem to be hell. That is the Tempest. Underneath the reality of the of the the Shadowlands is this constant flux of energy that one would call the Tempest. And Stygia was constructed as sort of the bulwark against it. It is actually a city-state, for lack of a better way of putting it, that exists specifically to resist the powers of Oblivion and the powers of the Tempest to be able to pull people apart. Right, it so, floats in the Sea of Souls. Yeah, and it's... It, it's it's an island, for lack of a better way of putting it. And mm. it's, it is a sort of a topsy-turvy place where a lot of the, the supposed rules of reality don't exist. But simultaneously, there are some governing forces there, and it is the seat of power for a lot of the Iron Lords, as well as this sort of complicated power structure where people are fighting for control of who knows what. Because nobody's really established why they're there. That's why you have heretics who are, are constantly arguing that people have been damned. This is their version of purgatory. They must print off their sins. There's you have hierarchy. some people who the hierarchy who say, you know, we're dead. We can't make sense of this, but we're going to create order. And they're based off of uh, Roman military legions. You have individuals, the renegades, who are there just to overthrow the hierarchy. I mean, you, you have all these different power places. Those are kind of the broad brush. But the thing to remember, too, is that everything in, in Wraith is based off of resonance and emotion. So that's where your passions come into it. And that's things like uh, places of great resonance or items of great emotion. When they're destroyed, they leave a remnant behind in the Shadowlands. So, like, um, you know, if you had uh, a gun that was used to assassinate a president and it was destroyed, 
it would transfer over to the Shadowlands. Um, you have um, as, 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 a, as a potent artifact, as potent artifact. Like uh, okay. they talk about, even though it's not destroyed, like the um, the Ferris wheel in Pripyat, uh, Ukraine, is in the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all of these these buildings and yeah, the Library of Alexandria, Library of Alexandria one. is in the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. Right, buildings right. Enoch, they disintegrate, uh, they from over. Vampire is in the Shadowlands. So you. So in one, theory. There's so one, you end there's, up with, there's one last con- concept I want to touch on real quick. Maybe one one point five concepts, and that is there's also these these specters, right, which are the contrary of raids in a certain way. They're oh, fallen raids. Yeah, they're, they're raids who've given into their dark passions. Yeah, again, it, we, and that's where the, the argument is: is are they really fallen? I mean, by their own argument, they're raids that feel that they have seen the darkness of oblivion, and now they are they are wiser. They're they're. It almost stronger. feels like rules wise, it's easier to transcend as a specter than it is as a wraith. Can be, yeah. I mean, and, but Just again, because nobody ever comes wise. back, it's kind of difficult to say. But specters are are wraiths who have been consumed by oblivion, and they still retain some aspect of themselves. So they might have a physical or corporeal form in the the shadowlands, but oftentimes they can only reside there for very short periods. They have to return to the tempest to be able to touch back to oblivion and become recharged. And They're, and the, these these are not meant, at least initially, these were not meant to be player characters. Now we no. don't know what they're going to be doing with the 20th anniversary edition of them, Correct. because in, in, because a lot of the stuff in the 20th anniversaries that were never meant to be player characters, like technocrats, for instance, have been kind of ironed in as player character ready mm. uh, splats. So um, but, it'd be but, very tough to make specters like a out of the gate player character. I don't know that I would yeah. trust a person new to the game to run a specter. The only way that I could see running specters if you ran an entire circle of specters who their goal was to undo other yeah. circles. I would not, in reasonably good conscience, put a single specter character in with a group of raids. But you could say the same thing about technocrats or about Sabbath vampires. Certainly. So um, the last kind of thing, the point five, is that there's this way that you can get back to the physical world. Where you become a thing called a risen, yeah. which is like yes. you're the crow. You're so the that crow. was one thin little book that they yeah. put out for it, which was uh, everybody wanted to play. Yeah, um, and wants yeah, to play the risen dead. But. Yeah, you can come back as a risen, which, yeah. from what I've read of the notes on Wraith Twenty, that will be in that book as yeah. a as an option. That's even worse because like I, you can't just play a circle of risen, and it was very interesting. It was almost thrown in as like a. Here's a character that you can play in another game, like a vampire game or a werewolf game, if you don't want to play that type of character. You can yeah, play this Risen did. instead. It was the first crossover character. Really. It really was. Yeah, it was. It was, And they had the picture, I remember, of the guy. You stand there looking, and it shows the person laughing, and you see the fangs, and you're like, oh, that's a vampire, and that's yeah. the Risen. And they so, marketed yeah. that book as being like... There, there was a certain point in the Wraith line when I think it wasn't selling and meeting expectations, and, like all of it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they were, and so they, they they put these these advertisements in the back of of all the other books, saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh, hey, why don't you try putting some wraiths in your game? Like, oh, wouldn't it be neat to have a ghost if haunting your yeah. vampire?" The Risen then, one showed up in a lot of books. Like, yeah. if I go through all my old mm-hmm. books, I see that Risen advertisement <laughs> everywhere because they yeah. were really like, "Hey, the Risen, this is what you guys want. The crow's popular. Buy yeah. this shit." Yeah. What yeah. if the crow was in your werewolf? game kids wouldn't that be cool then a guy can yeah. play the crow and it, it's a challenging type of character to play because it doesn't really fit i mean they did the, as good as they could with it oh absolutely it's, yeah I mean, it's, it really just doesn't dovetail in as well and that's why it's kind of a fringe character that you don't see that often in actual gameplay or at least you shouldn't yeah. right now i feel like we've got a pretty good context of what the game is mike would you like to tell us about how it is that you run this game like what what is it that you've done with it and what 
what like what kind of games have you run what are your takes on it and then i'd like to hear the same thing from adam sure um i've run a few games and they've spanned the course of time the most recent one which i've run which is actually my favorite so far actually we we touched on it uh briefly before when we were talking about charnel houses of europe the showa which is uh it's a phenomenal book but it is definitely an adult book based upon subject matter and i would not recommend novices attempting to run that that having been said um i wrote a a multi-stage chronicle called warsaw chronicles that started off uh all of my characters they had to develop their player characters as living characters before they developed their characters as wraiths and then the first game session they were all playing live characters and they all took place on the same day with the liquidation of the warsaw ghetto in may 1943 i killed off all of their characters sequentially and the only prerogative that i had with them is i said you had to play a minority of some type you had to play a Jew, a gypsy, a homosexual, a, a, a treasonous individual, a Soviet, somebody who is not going to be part of the Nazi war machine and who would be liquidated when the Nazis come through to destroy the Warsaw Ghetto. So I was attempting to build some degree of solidarity there in as much that they were all victims. And accordingly, after all of them were killed off, then I tried to put them together in a more rational fashion, have them try to fight their way out of the ghetto because the war was raging in the ghetto itself as the ghetto is being destroyed. But while the ghetto is being destroyed, a lot of these buildings are reconstituting in the Shadowlands. There's a huge amount of pathos tied up in them. Lots of artifacts are moving over and the active firefight is moving through the shroud. So the characters find themselves being reconstituted. They're obviously shocked. They're, they're not quite together as to what's just happened. They're watching friends and family who have died. And then as they make that transition, then the group slowly coalesces. They find that one part of the Warsaw Ghetto has been fortified. They make their way to there. And that's where the storyline actually starts to pick up. It's a great game. I I enjoyed it very much. It ran for several months. It was a hard game for when we played it because um, there's definitely an emotional resonance in there, especially in regards to the shadow and that aspect, because we're having people playing off of each other's fears, having them playing off their weaknesses. And when we were doing shadow creation, I did not have the players design their own shadows. I had them randomly choosing who their, uh, the other player was going to be their shadow. And then I worked with those players creating the shadows independently of the players. So oftentimes, The players didn't even know what was going on, especially when one player was being taken over by a shadow, which had happened on more than one occasion. And suddenly you find a harrowing unleashing and the group's not aware of what's going on at that moment in time. So it's a, a, a that very sounds that sounds very intense. Is that it's a rough game to play? So it, you you ran it kind of like as a historical kind of as as as, as a period piece with a lot of, with a lot of human drama. Indeed. And you did you go into Stygia and stuff with that, or were you mostly still in the in the Shadowlands? They made it to Stygia at the very end. Okay. But most of the things that were going on actually involved the Shadowlands. For instance, um, at one point they realize uh, for one of them, one of the their fetters, uh, one of the individuals who's a rabbi, and one of his fetters was being threatened. And it turns out that it was being transported to one of the camps where they were requisitioning items for melting them down to be able to repurpose them. So it was them attempting to 
protect that fetter. And some members of the group elected that they didn't care enough about the rabbi. There were interpersonal fights, which is, as a, a GM, very difficult to, to reconcile. <laughs> Watching these, these individuals fight it out because you might have somebody who's a, a seditious individual over here and his character may be a minority, but that doesn't mean that he necessarily likes all other minorities. So yeah, it's hard to keep that. And again, I, I ran it with seven. That was probably too many people. I should have trimmed it to five at the onset. But by attrition, the characters found themselves getting killed off. So it does happen. Okay, so when you when you were, were doing this, like, uh, did you do the like playing at dark, like at night, and did you yeah. do candles and stuff? Uh, what was it? What was your ambiance kind of like? I didn't have candles. I mean, I, I live in a large, creaky 1930s house, which is always fantastic because it's got squeaky wooden floors and uh, low lighting and, and curved ceilings with lots of drapery. So that already works very well in terms of the ambiance. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I ran it exclusively at night. We had uh, every other week sessions that we could keep it reasonably fresh. Um, and we didn't do very much in terms of background music, but I did require the players to be reading um, histories of war in the European theater. So that way they could be at least aware in terms of their, their players or their, excuse me, their characters, what would have been happening during their lifetime. Because I tied in a lot of historical events. For instance, at one point they wound up in Stalingrad during the sieging of Stalingrad. So there, there's all these pieces being tied together and they needed to know that from a player perspective, so that way they could channel it into their characters. Cool, cool. Um, Adam, tell us about what you, you do. Uh, so Wraith, uh, I've run it. I've never really run it well. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've run a couple of Wraith games. Um, one of them, I made the newbie jam mistake of just like, hey, just come, come bring your Wraith character to the table and like, Oof, well, let's yeah. play some Wraith. And <laughs> that didn't work at all because I just got like a grab. Like, I don't even know that we made it through the first session. It was such a grab bag that it was like these guys that have no reason to work together, no reason to do anything together. Um, the other one I did was I had an idea and I was like, all right, so you all need to sit down ahead of time you need to have pre-existing relationships with each other and uh, you need to figure out like um, a passion and a fetter that you have in common. Um, and then I ran them through a prelude where everyone in the game got uh, execution style gangland killed by this uh, same criminal uh, who basically who shot them all. He executed all of them. Um, and, then they they came across into the Shadowland, and that worked very well to get them bound together. Um, the problem was, given the circumstances of their death and everything that went into it, they all very quickly um, started giving into their dark urges. Mm. Uh, and and it and I just remember finishing a session, and one of the player characters, one of the players, turned to me and said. I don't know how much longer I can keep playing this. Um, I feel like I just want to take my character and have him go jump in a Nile. Uh, and, and I talked to, I understand the, that feeling. I talked <laughs> to the other player characters and they were just like, this, uh, this isn't a fun game. It's just a depressing game and it's very dark and I don't know what to do with this character and I don't like it. Um, so do you feel like it was the players that weren't working for the game 
Do you think that it would have gone differently with other players? People would be more like in tune with what was going on. I don't know. I think. What, what are your thoughts on I that? I think too, I Mike? was so up for running Wraith, or so excited about running Wraith that maybe they did it just to kind of placate me, or be like, okay, let's just play the game that Adam wants to run, and, and they rather really than a game they wanted like, to be in. It should be in like Pathfinder or something. They should have been in, yeah, like a kill thing and take their treasure game. Um, <laughs> and that's not what Wraith is about at all. Wraith no. is very much not kill stuff and take its treasure. It's you get killed, and by the way, there's no treasure unless it's forged out of another Wraith, and then it screams at you constantly when you try to use it. Yeah. Um, it's a game without redemption, and that's the hard part is, is that if, if you ever find redemption in Wraith, you lose your character. So you're always walking this well, very fine line. it's the same thing line. with Vampire, though. I would argue Vampire is a game without redemption, but Vampire, people seem to have fun playing it. The, the difference, difference between Wraith and Vampire, because both games are about degeneration, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you're you're trying to survive, keep your humanity, whatever. In Wraith, you're trying not to give in your shadow. There's actually a system in which there is another player who's constantly trying to like get you to give in, egg you on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the hardest part, and that's uh, ironically that's one of the best parts of the game too. I mean, because were you my shadow in Wraith? I was your shadow, and you were my shadow. I was your shadow. Yeah. I remember being your shadow. Yeah, and that was something that I, I remember when you paired up. That's why in this most recent game, where with Warsaw, everyone was playing somebody different. I never had any dyads where it would be one person in each other's shadow. So there's always that chance something going on, and you could always see it. We, we played. I think very it was because me and him knew each other well, and we were yeah. just like, "I'm going to get inside his head." <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and it, it can be challenging, but especially when, I mean, you're wanting that one extra die for a pool, something critical, and the shadow is right. just like, you know, all I just need is just one uh, thing. Because right. the shadow shadow uh, dice. The, the shadow character is, is allowed to make Faustian bargains with the player of the main wraith. Yes. And right. so there's a lot of this kind of chatter that goes on across the table where there's a lot of, a lot of deal broking, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's not even necessarily that. I just remember telling him, I'm like, you're going to screw this roll up if you don't take my help. You better take my help. You don't have enough dice there. Look, I was like, I was like, just, I was like, you're not good enough to pull this off. You need my help. I am offering you help right now. And if you don't take it and you fail, you're going to hear about it forever. And then when he didn't take any hail, I would just harangue him about it. I mean, I mean, looking, looking back at the, at the character that I created for that game, there was no way that my character was not going to become a specter. <laughs> like no, from the, I mean, the very start of it, like, like that's the type every of, wraith character. But, but there no, was but, like but no, no way my character wasn't going to become a specter. I feel like I feel like a huge portion of like mitigation could be done during the character creation process, right? Like um, the the just the just just how I created that character, and I, I didn't know going into it, it was the first time I played wraith, right? Um, I had I had no idea what I was really doing, and um, I guess I created a character that was so full of like fear and anger and. And like um, self-loathing and like all these conflicting emotions, that like it just seemed natural that like any time the specter was like, hey, that's like, so, what's happened. One of the things I'm hearing kind of a lot of, in regard to this one particular game, which I should note, like happened. We, we this this game took place in the, like the early 2000s. We were different people, and it was a different time when this game was run. Um, it, it sounds it sounds like Wraith has the potential to be kind of a um, like proving ground for like. Uh, personal neurosis and like trauma and stuff a lot of this stuff kind of comes up in an almost therapeutic kind of like it's a lot like another game that i really love in that regard which is changeling the lost ah okay Um, changeling the lost is basically abuse victim uh the i don't even want to call it the therapy but it's it's you know you are a victim of abuse of horrific abuse in that game and it is trying to come to grips with what happened to you 
um, and what you now are and your disassociation and the fact that someone, something took over your life uh, and is living your life now. Um, and, and Wraith deals with a lot of similar things. It's your, your life, your old life is gone. Um, you don't have access to it anymore. And you have all this baggage that you're left with that you have to deal with. And it is like a very dark, very emotional game. And it's it's a difficult game to play because you end up, you know, you have to have people who are invested in that concept. Otherwise, you get people who just come into it and they're like, well, can I have um, an AR-15? And you're like, well, I mean, sure, but it's not going to help you in this game. And they're like, as long as I get an AR-15, man, I don't care. And then you put them into the game world and they're like, all right, what can I shoot? And you're like, well, like nothing. You can't shoot your feelings. Your sense of hollowness. Right. And they're just <laughs> yep. like, whoa, just, I don't care about that. I just want to murder something. And you're like, well, I mean, okay, but it's not going to help you deal with these things that you have to deal with. So, and they're so, like, but I still get to shoot things, right? And no, you're like, on, I mean, on, I guess. Hang on here. So, so, so White Wolf games are horror games, right? Mm-hmm. But is, is Wraith... Mike, when you run it, is it scary? Do you run it scary, or do you run it just very emotional, or is it a mix? Yeah, I don't. I don't run very much scary. I run a lot of emotional. I mean, I think that there were probably in the the most recent game only two or three, maybe four scary moments. Yeah, I really involved children because I'm afraid of children. Tell, but I never ran <laughs> it scary. Yeah, I, I, I. It's hard to run it as scary. Instead, it's more that Ooh. creeping dread of. You're a failure. The people that you love, right? The big fear is oblivion and harrowing. It's like that's the fear. Is like I'm going to fall to my dark side. That's the real kind of existential dread of wraith, right? Because I mean, it's like in wraith, even if you get discoporeated, the worst that happens to you is you enter a harrowing, which is you fall into oblivion and specters torment you. Um, and then you come back from the harrowing at the end of it, assuming you pass through it, and you're mostly whole. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm back. You may lose a point of corpus or whatever, you but you're back. Well, I, I just hear you guys talking a lot about like mechanics, and but not about like how scary those things sound. Well, those this, things sound scary as fuck. Yeah, th- this this is just it. This is why I can't run it in terms of, of fear unless you want to count the fear of the player. And I try not to put that in, but it's sometimes it's not going to lie. It's a horror game. Why shouldn't the say, player be in well, fear? This is why if you can get a read off of people, like for instance, one of the players in the most recent game, they the player had a fear of open fields, large open fields like grass fields or something possibly being in there. So I specifically structured one of the scenes to have large open fields no that's scary and, that's supposed to be and, that's great yeah, and for her as a player i could see that she was getting very uncomfortable which of right. course made me smile because as she's getting uncomfortable then the person who's playing her shadow sees that she as a player is getting uncomfortable is like are you okay and she's like i'm fine and she's having trouble disentangling herself from her character i which feel is like what the good fear and is. the horror yeah. comes in during the harrowing part of it oh, but, um, it have to be. It's, but it's the issue audience. is you don't necessarily have control over when those happen um yeah. Uh, you but can this plan is what for the them. deals with the shadow or for the shadow can force those things. The shadow can force them, and that's semi helpful. But again, you as the GM don't really have a lot of control over that. I, I see um, Ben making a lot of motions like he wants to talk. Well, ben, why don't you go ahead and, and just throw? No, some light I feel on like this. I feel like Wraith, at least in my experience as a player, is very like, like the character you set up is a very personal character. The fetters and all that stuff that go involved in that is very personal. It's not like it's not like really a group thing. And I feel like the horror comes in as a very personal thing as well because of that, right? Like you watch, you even when you're playing like a character who's trying to be like a uh, not give in, right? Who doesn't want to give in? Who wants to who wants to sort of like you know um, triumph's a bad word, but like uh, rise above what's going on. Transcend. Yeah, transcend. <laughs> sure. 
Um, but but trying to protect those things that like um, that he still like like loves in the mortal world and just constantly failing too all the time mm-hmm. because. You're, well, you're very limited in what you can exactly. do. Exactly, you're, you're, yeah. you're a ghost. How do you get to? How do you like stop that? Uh, stop the, the the stock from killing your wife? You right. know, it's how like, do you stop your daughter from getting mugged? Yeah, you it's, it's you can't. And um, and and the horror comes in. I think being constantly like subjected to these kind of things and having no way to really change it, but trying and failing all the time. And 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 and, and at some point, you feel like you just have to sort of give in. You know, that, there's that's a why, lot of despair in that game, and that's kind of yeah. where I think it's a lot different than the other games. Is it's not really pure horror. It's not horror in that like jump scare way. No, it's, it's not horror, and I mean, it kind of can be horror in the Cronenberg way. You guys way. are all nuts. I, I, I if, if I was gonna do it, I'd do it totally differently than what you're talking about. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that what you're doing is invalid because I think that obvious. It's obvious that the game gives a lot of incentives towards this direction. But I think that it's almost like you're missing the forest for the trees if you don't see this this situation that they're in as being innately scary. Because because one of the things that's interesting about the Wraith characters is that unlike the vampire characters who get kind of like sucked into this very like sexy world of nightclubs and secret wars and like eternal power and all this crap, Wraith characters are like regular dudes who are then drawn into this like hyper scary situation, like living in a haunted house. They live they they live in a haunted house all the time. And they're powerless because they're regular dudes. They don't get any cool like, oh, I'm celerity. I don't get potence. You don't get that shit. You get some you cool know? stuff. You get the arcana eye. Yeah, but but you, even but they're then, even limited. So yeah, they're shit. limited. But some of them, like some of those arcana eye, you can start out with specifically just the ones that impact the shadowlands. Yeah, um, are pretty powerful. Like the ones that are limited are the ones where you try to impact the world of the living. Um, but, but the Shadowlands ones is. are almost ridiculously overpowered in comparison. I mean, it seems to me like Wraith is a great example to, or a great opportunity to do like all kinds of like long shadows and weird glowing eyes looking at you, and like the sense of being watched all the time, but you can't tell what's watching you, and like time passes in strange ways, and everything looks kind of weird and moves kind of strangely. Yeah, there's a lot of otherness to it, and there's yeah. a lot of grayness and bleakness to it. But I guess when I think of horror, I don't necessarily think of like. That, to me, is just the despair angle of it. I don't necessarily think of that as like a, a horror kind of angle. I think that's just playing up kind of the the despair and the powerlessness and the weakness angle of the game, where you're just like, here I am in this situation that I can't really do anything about. And like, what am I going to do to to lift myself up out of this? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make it in this, you know, gray, uncaring world? Yeah, I, I think like if you if you want to if you want to compare like like vampire to like a, a like you know a typical horror movie. I I always felt like Wraith wasn't that. Wraith was more like I don't know, um, Requiem for a Dream or something. Something's very yeah. horrifying. Right. Uh, but but it but it's not a different. It's different. You well, know, the dark. Another dark aspect of Wraith was was gaining pathos because I remember just like uh, in the game that we played in having to gain pathos in some really dark, destructive ways. Yeah. Like where you have where it went to that weird like you went to the weird orgy thing and were feeding off the lust of the other people there and. I was feeding off that the the sadness and torment of that guy who had tormented me while I was alive and who ultimately killed me, like and who was racked with guilt about it. And I'm just like sitting there feeding off of his his negative energy. And it's just this you're this very kind of um you're predatory, but in a different way in vampire. It's kind of just a, a much creepier way. You're not there to take their blood. You're just feeding off of their strong emotions. Yeah. 
And in that regard, it doesn't have to be a positive emotion, which again puts an extra dimension into the game because everyone likes to think, oh, well, I want to pick something like love or, or happiness. Right. It's like, good luck finding that. If you pick something like pain or despair or anguish, I mean, there's that aplenty everywhere. That's what you can recharge off of the easiest. But in the context of the game, that really embeds it that it's it's one of those challenging role-playing games where it's very difficult to come away being like, that was a great session, guys. Yeah. I feel wonderful. My character's a good person, and I feel great about yeah. his his direction. And yeah. yeah, you just, you end up playing these incredibly damaged characters suffering from essentially PTSD and just, yeah, it's a very dark, dark game. I think, it, like I said, I think it's probably the darkest of the original World of Darkness games. I, I, I got that sense, too, I when I collected it. Um, I, I had a very extensive collection a long time ago. Um, and I definitely got that that feel from it. Like it, it. It feels very heavy. There's mm-hmm. no there's no lightness to it. What do you guys do to keep uh, the plot moving forward? What do you guys do to keep the story moving forward and not just essentially having endless vignettes of people kind of hanging out on bridges and looking out into the middle distance and wandering <laughs> through the fog. I mean, yeah, what do you do? I, I never really figured out a way to do that because it is such a personal story and it requires so much of the players being involved in it. Like I said, my players got to the point where they said, I am too depressed to carry on playing this game. I don't want to play it anymore. Um, and that was the end of that game. Like we got four sessions in and that was the end of it. Nobody wanted to play it anymore. They were just like, I don't I don't know what to do with my character other than to walk him to the nearest Nile and jump in. I don't I don't want to play it anymore. It's too depressing. Uh, I never found a solution to that. I never really tried to do a story in Wraith. I wanted it to be a very personal game driven by what is it you're trying to do and and here is the world around you and here are the things you are seeing and how are you going to you know, how are you going to react to that? How, what is your character going to do? How are you just going to run off and go join the hierarchy and go fight specters in a legion somewhere? Are you going to try to save your family? Are you going to try to like get your daughter out of the clutches of the guy who killed all of you? Um, or are you just going to let her fall? And, you know, eventually the guy was just like, he got very angry at that, at that NPC and was like, she deserves whatever she gets. And it was like, okay, well, you know, like, all right. Cool. Yeah, you just you end up in these like very, very dark, challenging situations, and it's I don't know. I mean, you might you've run it more than I have, and sounds like you've had successful stories, so you probably have better data than I I do. I found that what has been the most successful blueprint so far has been adding layers of intrigue and uh, increasingly complicated plots. So, for instance, in the the Warsaw game. You know, definitely tying in, obviously, the Nazi war machine, things like that. I mean, that's very topical. But then when they start extrapolating out and they realize that Warsaw has been compromised, not just specifically by that, but their ties to the Dark Kingdom of Jade and what's going on over possibly in the China versus Japan, how can that tie in? And then there's other levels of escalation where they finally get to Stygia. They realize that there's something greater than the Shadowlands or more more significant, more substantial in the Shadowlands that potentially could be threatened. They might have alliances there. They might not. I, I could never see myself running a nonstop Wraith game. I don't know how you could do that because eventually every character is going to fall to oblivion or transcend and nine times out of 10, it's fall to oblivion. So I don't think that there's any way to make it a very long, long, long-term game that takes many, many months. That being said, I also try not to snip it in vignettes where it's like, okay, this story is concluded. I kind of take it until the point where the characters say, how do you feel about 
wrapping up this chapter and taking a break and then moving it to the next chapter. And that seems to be the most logical way because, again, psychologically, a lot of the players come away with a lot of weight on them. They don't come away thinking that this was a wonderful game. They, If anything, they come away saying, you know, I tapped into some repressed childhood memories and some dark moments <laughs> in my life and wow. some fears. There are some people that would come away. I mean, I, I would have harrowings where it would be targeting one character, but as the other people are listening in, I had one where the person was buried alive and one of the other players I did not ha- know had a fear of being buried alive. So they came away from the session. They're like, that was too much. I'm like, it wasn't even your character. like, too much, man, too much. I couldn't do that. So yeah. are you familiar have with you the... ever thought about implementing an X card? Because yes, I know that's a say, big thing do you know about the X in, card? in yeah, gaming now. Well, I, I told them that if they ever needed to opt out, we had an option for opt out that we could do in game without breaking stride. Nobody opted out. But there were some moments where people were were really dug in, especially when everyone switches over to shadows. They're taunting each other. It's hard to keep it professional where you have a group of individuals and somebody might not be that is a challenge too is limiting the amount of taunting that people do to each other because you really as a player have to be aware of how much time you're spending shadow guiding versus playing your own character i actually think that's part of the most most uh challenging part of wraith as a player is to is to know when to back off being someone's shadow in interest of the story on some level so i i uh I was used to be really infatuated with this game, and as I said, I collected it heavily, and I read it. I read it comprehensively. I, I forced myself to read even the super shitty first generation of source books that were just dry as a bone. Like I read the hierarchy source book, like cover to cover. I read like Love and Death and Midnight Express and these fucking books. Yeah, that Book were of just, Legions was better than the hierarchy book. Yeah, the Book far. of Legions it's actually sharpened it up a bit. Yeah, but what bothered me about the game was the way that it was presented to you was either you could play a character who kind of like spends his time like drifting through a park and shuffling through fallen leaves, right? Or you could become enmeshed in essentially like a, well, this is sort of like vampire, but with different shit in it kind of game. And that second game it almost like took the surreality of Beetlejuice when Beetlejuice is in the, like the deep underworld and kind of cranked it up to 11 and then said, this is the game. And I was like, I don't know if I want to play that. It's too fucking weird. It's too, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know. There's no horror to it. It's kind of like strange and bizarre. I don't, I I don't want to spend a bunch of time tracking like Arcanoi and guild membership and what the renegades are doing and what the hierarchy is doing. I don't really give a shit about that stuff. I want to run a really fucking creepy ass, like dark, just ink black horror game, and so I think that's why I kind of lost track of Wraith at this right. point. Just like it, 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 it wasn't the game I wanted it to be. Well, the hierarchy ends up being almost like a dystopian, you know, nineteen eighty four Orwellian uh, Brazil type of organization, yeah. where it's just this incredibly broken machine, but it is the way that it is, and it functions, and you're kind of trapped within it. If that's the game that you want to run. Um, the hierarchy will suit that game perfectly. Uh, it can also be one of these like slaughter fest games where it's like, hold the line and you're on top of a uh, wall and there's these specters charging at oh you. Oh my and God. You're stabbing Why would I want to do that? I don't if know, but that is a version of the game you can play. Yeah. Doom Slayers yeah. is the book I'm yeah, thinking you, of. Into yeah, the Doom labyrinth. Into the labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. Cause if you, if you're looking for a running gun game where all you're doing is just right. destroying specters, they create, they that's a fantastic resource that. too, for so, specters and, and yeah. their cults and all that stuff. Like Doom Slayers in the labyrinth. Great book. Um, but the major 
meat of it is just not something I'm really interested in pursuing. Yeah. Well, I think this is my my biggest criticism about Wraith is that it's overly complicated. It really is a complicated game to the extent to where they could have trimmed quite a bit off and still made it. Oh, yeah. You don't have to tell me about it. Like like the Arkanoi are associated with guilds and each guild has its own book. Imagine if every discipline in Vampire had its own book associated (laughs) with it. And it's like, and I have a full collection of these things and they're not short books either and they're not easy reads and yeah you just get into these things and you're like wow this is a lot of stuff and then they like, did splat books for all the legions too yeah. right and it's just like well, oh there's, there's, uh, there's were there splat books there's book of legions no, that was the only one there were no oh, splat okay. books for the legions yeah but i mean this is again where it falls to the storyteller to kind of choose which direction that they want i don't like running for instance uh contemporary day wraith because I don't want to deal with my Wraith's computer hacking. I'm not interested in them using some of the Arcanoi, which are really specific to, you know, 1980 through 2020. I mean, that's there's a lot of stuff in there which I'd rather pull it back, but I'm also not one to try to rely upon systems. I want as few dice rolls as possible. I want people to reason things out and work them out as opposed to fighting them out or rolling them out. You know, I, I, I listen to you guys talking about this, and the more I hear you talking, the more I feel like kind of my same beef with wraith is my is the same beef i have with the mage game the mage the ascension game which is like it's about all the stuff i want to be about it's about ghosts it's about darkness it's about pathos all this other shit but it's just put together in a way that i can't relate to you know like i don't want i like i don't want to play mage the ascension there's like 900 other games that you could use to play a game about the secret wars of of reality benders and they're better games you know, and then but the thing is, is there's not a better ghost game out there. Nobody's written a nobody's written a, a the ghost game that I want to play. So I guess I'm kind of stuck with Wraith. Yeah, Wraith is choose. really. What's that? What if, if you choose? I mean, again, if you choose what parts you want to address, I mean, there there and Wraith. The one thing that it has against it is the fact that there aren't that many prepackaged adventures. There's mm-hmm. nothing really there. There uh, are little vignettes in the back of some. Of the I would say the yeah, one thing, pages, the, the biggest thing really that I feel Wraith has against it is. It has a huge amount of books for it, um, and it covered so many different things that you could do that it didn't really have a sharp focus. Um, I felt like the focus in in the other games, not necessarily Mage, but the focus in the other games was a lot sharper. Um, and Wraith was kind of all over the place to where you are kind of left going, okay, I want to pick this out of here and I want to pick this out of here and I want to pick well, this out of here. When you and read I'm going to build something with that. When you read the introduction to the first edition, mm-hmm. they talked about the sort of the genesis of the game and it started out as being, they were going to call it Hell. It was Hell the game. And I think that when they kind of backed off that and decided, well, let's not do you know lost souls in hell, let's do ghosts or whatever, that's almost kind of like what happened with Beast, like twenty, thirty years later, is that they they lost something in the translation. They didn't really. I, I felt like the when when the Wraith line was was current, they were always trying to reestablish what it was about. Like, what is the actual game that you're playing? Yeah, I guess it, the it's thing a game with hell is what like, what are the stakes? If you're already in hell and you're already being tortured. 
Like, what are the well, stakes? Well, yeah, but I mean, you can say the same thing about this game that you're just driving. You know? Well, the stakes in this game are you can fall to oblivion. I mean, it's not great, but it is at least stakes, right? It sounds like, like your characters wanted to fall to oblivion. They did. They did want to fall to but it's like, those are the stakes. Whereas, like, if you're in hell already and you're like, well, I'm already in hell. I'm already being tortured eternally. Like, what else can happen? You're just kind of like, well, I mean, you're right. The, the There's fact, nowhere else to go from here except up. I guess, I guess, I guess, in, unlike in the hell game, in the Wraith game, you're still connected to the mortal world. There is that too. You're still connected yeah. to the mortal world. And, uh, you know, in fact, when you lose that connection, you're pretty much done anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, so it's extremely you can, hard to you can lose it, and then you end up in Stygia. Like, if you you can't return at all to the mortal world. So there are plenty of wraiths who have no connection to the mortal world anymore. Not plenty, but there are, there are some. But, I mean, but There's plenty of hierarchy wraiths who haven't. Like, all the Death Lords and everybody else. There's, plenty, there's, there's enough wraiths who have lost all connection to the mortal world and who can only dwell in Stygia. And so it's there's a potential to just be like, well, I don't... Now, the thing I was always curious about with that was how do they feed, right? Because, like, you're not... You don't have the ability to get Pathos anymore, right? Because Pathos comes from mortals. I thought that there was a system where you could like reestablish your fetters to something that's in the Shadowlands already. There is. You, you can do that. But yeah. a lot of these guys didn't do yeah, that. And so you had these Death Lords. You had Conway where you can invest in other things. It's temporary, you, right? Uh, well, the higher levels, it becomes more permanent. Right. And if you do it enough times to enough different fetters, you can essentially have a nonstop stream coming in. Oh, and that's, okay. I mean, when you're around for hundreds of years, that's pretty much what you have to do. Either you learn to do it or you have somebody do it for you because the other option is you disintegrate. All right. You, you All don't right. have an option. You so just here we go. Here we go. I got two more questions. All right. And we're going to wrap it up. The first, ra- the first question is, Orpheus, what are your thoughts? Orpheus being the limited run Wraith sequel that came out after the Wraith line had been... It was limited enough that I didn't get it, so I have no thoughts about it. Okay. Mike. Much the same. I mean, I I was pretty invested in Wraith at that point in time, and I was trying to understand the books, which is a Herculean task in itself. Although I understood that uh, Orpheus was a little bit more of a stripped-down, boiled-down version that was more understandable, I kind of made that conscious choice. I'm like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. I'm going all out on Wraith, and I'm not going to just dismiss it now. Um, I would recommend to both of you to acquire the six books of Orpheus. If there was a way to do it that didn't require... Um my firstborn, then maybe. But it's, <laughs> it is an incredibly it, difficult book to find. It because is. Because I did go through a period where I was like, I'm going to get Orpheus on the recommendation of you and uh, one other person. And I went out to find it. And it was like, hey, here's the Orpheus core book. It's $90. And I was like, hey, here's my middle finger. Fuck you. I'm not paying $90 for this. I don't know if it's that bad. It was pretty bucks. bad when I was looking for it. This was a while ago. This was right after... The CCP shut down everything. Um, oh, well. Okay. And so they wanted just ridiculous prices for this stuff. And I was like, well, I'm not paying that for that book. I, I, I know. Okay. I know that I have a particular way of looking at the value of money versus the value of role-playing books, where I inordinately value role-playing books and I disproportionately <laughs> devalue money. But I think that you can get a collection of Orpheus for between two and $300. And it's worth every single penny because, in my mind, it is the the ultimate wraith books they ever came out with. It's scary. It's creepy. It's got a very succinct story. It has all kinds of interesting systems that you can do stuff with and take it in your own direction. But if you play through the story, the story is amazing. Well, aren't those books just story? Like, isn't each book a continuation of the story after the core book? Yeah, but they also did something a little bit kind of different where each book, because it was a completely limited run, six books and it was over, the core book gives you 
the core mechanic plus the first chapter of the story, and then each subsequent book is like the next chapter plus a source book about something very specific that is that deals with what's going on in the story. So you get a full game. You get a full game that has all kinds of crazy shit in it. And um, and I felt like it was a it, it has it's 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 very specific in the story that's telling. It has weird science. It has industrial espionage. It has um, socioeconomic kind of like street politics in it. And then over all of that, it has this like incredibly creepy, like what the fuck is actually going on here? Um, flatliners thing going on. I think at the time it came out, I was so burned on the white wolf books that were coming out at that time that I was just like, no, I'm not interested. Cause it was all that like Knights of prophecy and, Gehenna and time it was, of it was after and, that but that, that stuff yeah. had definitely kind of yeah worn. so that had all happened and I recall it coming out and I just remember at that time being like forget you I'm not interested in you anymore White Wolf like you have yeah. taken everything that I ever loved and you have like you know shat all over it and I have no interest in buying your new thing that you're trying to get me to buy well and so I I, I gave a pass on it like I said other people are like, oh it's really good just look at it. and I was like all right I'll look at it and I like that I was like man I am not paying this much for this like, R- Wraith 20 will have a chapter or at least a section on Orpheus right the Orpheus group in it and uh White Wolf uh, entertainment or whatever has made it very clear that they are very interested in Orpheus and are surging ahead with it um, full full. Well, if they ever want to collect all the original stuff again and put it out, then I'll pick it up. So yeah, uh, let that la- let that be a recommendation, you guys. Collect it all in an edition like Pathfinder has with the Crimson Throne stuff or whatever, and then I will go pick it up. And, no, it's not a bad idea, really. It. it should be done. It's really not. It should. It should be done with Giovanni Chronicles. It should be done with Transylvania Chronicles. They should take those old adventure books, smash them all together in one source book, and release it and go, here you go. You want to read this? Here's all of them. Here's everything in one book. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I, I, I personally wouldn't mind seeing a 20th anniversary uh, Giovanni Chronicles because if, if there's if there's a book that needs to be completely rewritten and kind of and, and beefed up and have the system regurgitated, it's it's that. I mean, oh, my God. I wouldn't is- mind seeing a just kidding, here's the real Transylvania Chronicles 3 and 4 <laughs> book. Well, or if they I, put I, that I think, out. I think that we have that. We can expect that from White Wolf Entertainment because they're not going to – I don't think they're going to, like, buy in their hands of that shit. And then that's One would shit. hope. Um, all right, last question. Last question, then we're going to call it for the night. Um, Wraith – inspirations be it what are the best source books what are what music do you need to listen to what movies what novels what is it that you guys pull from we'll start with adam then we'll do mike adam go so best books uh dark reflection specters i like the book of legions a lot uh the core book you can't go wrong with that player's guide to the shadow is really really excellent um the Renegades and Hierarchy books, less so. Don't really need to read those. Um, skip Ends of Empire unless you really want the Memni Guild information and how that all works. Um, trying to think what else I really love for Wraith. I haven't played it in so long um, that it's it's hard to say. Uh, for Wraith inspiration, um, I always thought Dark City was good inspiration for Wraith. Uh, the movie Ghost... Uh, you know, any, any, like what dreams may come, any, any movie or story about longing, uh, and obsession and, um, 
chasing something that well, you've lost. Were there any that any movies or books that particularly resonated with you? That that you that you used that you kind of cycled into your storytelling for Wraith. So I only ever really ran the two Wraith games, and the one was terrible, and the other one was only made it four sessions. So um, I wouldn't say I ever got that far. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a bleak, bleak game. So okay. just bear that in mind when you okay. go to play it. We all know the Crow, I mean, obviously. Yeah, the Crow if you want to do Risen, but uh, well, I Crow think really it... doesn't speak to Wraith to me so much as oh. it does just Risen. Oh, I don't um, know about that, my friend. Uh, it's too gun happy, I guess I'd say for for Wraith. Yeah, it is for that rule set, but the 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 character itself is uh, especially if you read the comic book, the James of our comic book. The comic book's way better than the movie. The movie, I never got that depth of like longing and despair that the comic had, where he's slashing his own wrists and everything. The movie, he was just kind of more like my wife got killed, and now I want revenge. And it was like, uh, all right, I, I don't mean, think you're giving it enough credit. I think I think it's there, perhaps not to the same level as the comic, which was yeah. obviously much more saturated with that. It's very ro- romantic, mm-hmm. the comic, but it's it's definitely about a, a supernatural creature who is a machine that is fueled by emotion, and um and he and, and you can you can see that in that narrative. Uh, Mike, what you got? Lay it out for us. Well, yeah, for for me, whenever I'm looking for inspiration for Wraith, I mean, it's less for the storyline and more along the lines of what would be happening for Harrowings or things like that. And I I like things that are sort of nightmarish sequences in movies that sort of trigger me. For instance, um, City of Lost Children, the Christmas sequence where the Santas keep coming out and the kids are sort of crying and things start destabilizing or obviously something like Requiem for a Dream where everything's heightened reality and she's looking around as she's, uh, she's on the amphetamines. Things like that where, where things appear amplified, distorted, where it, it's not reality that's so distorted that you you feel that it's too surreal, but it's things that are just creepy or strange enough to where it could actually be occurring, but it's just not right. Because I think that those are the, really the true elements of horror in the game. It's not something that's shocking or, or uh, splattering, but it's something that gives you that creeping dread up your spine where you're like, this is not right. Something like when you're having a wrong. dream and then you're like driving in your car and you're like, wait, I don't own a Prius. Yes, like okay. that. Okay, all right. <laughs> or, or going down a hallway and the hallway gets progressively smaller and then you turn around and the hallway is still small, the place that you came and it's suddenly widening out. So anything like Alice Right, and it leads to your garage and you open it and you're like, wait a minute, I don't have a Prius. <laughs> You've got a problem with no. Prius. <laughs> I don't drive one, so I don't know. So. But things of that nature, things that, that tend to warp reality, those are the sort of things that I draw inspiration from. And definitely anything that would be like romantic art, uh, anything, uh, paintings by individuals like Henry Fuseli, anything of that sort of dark macabre nature, Goya, things that are really, really resonant when you're trying to pull things that are shadowy or strange, but not too science fiction-esque, for lack of a better way of putting it. That's the way I like to run the games. Cool. Music, anybody? Anybody have any tunes? Some Wraith tunes? Nobody? I've really gotten away from using music in games just because I find it hard to time it right, and you just end up like, oh, hold on, let me fuss with the music while I get the situation. So I don't I don't use music anymore. No, but I mean, like, soundtrack to write to or anything? Nothing? Nothing? Bueller? Um, again, uh, list. <laughs> anything by Joy Division? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I go with more of the classical material, but again, I mean... I'm of that nature. So say that again. Uh, Franz Liszt. Okay. So anything, anything in particular? like that or, or Schumann or such. Um, these are, are sort of things I just throw them on the background and just have them running. But also, again, I like to put my stories embedded in specific historical time periods. Okay. So. All right. Ben, what are your final thoughts on Wraith? 
I was just thinking about when you were asking about music, I was like, I was thinking about like all the citations that James O'Barr had for the music that he listened to when he was Joy writing Division, the Crow. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, There's some Sisters of Mercy in there. Yeah, Sisters of Mercy. Is sure. there? Thanks. So. I can't. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall, but I remember. I just remember the Joy Division and the Cure being, right. being both mentioned. I remember he mentioned three, and I can't remember. Might have been Sisters. I can't remember. But um. All right, guys. Well, I had a lot of fun tonight. Indeed. Thank you guys for having me here. It was uh, very fun talking about it. I do have to give a quick shout out that uh, for the uh, the correction, because earlier, this was actually my first Shadowrun game that I had played in uh, 25 years. We were playing 5th edition. This is the joy of text messaging the uh, <laughs> the, the, the GM during the course of the, the conversation, being able to pull up your text. You're like, oh, shit, it was 5th. You are your so, own ombudsman. I am. I am. I, I am somehow responsible for all you would have known if you'd have seen the core book because it's gigantic yeah it's it's seriously it's like it's like it's, it's like, like an, it's like two inches thick and it's yeah. it's black it's like dark yeah, eras we, dark eras is really thick too I, and yeah, i'm just yeah, like i don't know that so, i'm ever gonna read this my, it's my too many pages to Cameron, he did secure all the books as necessary for what 70 percent of it's on hacking so. <laughs> yeah, that's true well um i hope to be um, joining you in some of that shadow run fun maybe you and i get together again talk yeah, about shadow run um Mike, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, guys, thank you for uh, hosting and uh, um, giving us so much to talk about with Wraith. I feel it was really it was a really lively conversation. There was a lot of there's a lot of heightened heightened emotion in the room. I'm sure that Wraith is a game yeah. I still love. Uh, I still carry a torch for it and I will almost assuredly never run it again. Uh, it's uh, Wraith is the one that got away. Um, you, you keep her picture in your wallet and you don't tell so, your so wife. Who knows? Maybe I'll Wraith run a 20 comes out. You, guys uh, you buy know. it? I oh, will buy Wraith 20. I but you will not run it. I will buy Wraith 20 uh, and I probably won't run it because I don't have a group. And I will, when I become a Wraith, uh, it will become one of my fetters. <laughs> and one of my passions will be to run a great Wraith game. And then I will fall into a harrowing and become a specter. And that will be the end of Adam as you know him. Mike, if you want to run um, if you want to run a small Wraith game for, for some of the FMRPG chaps, we'd be happy to play. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I might develop something. It'd just be a limited vignette. Just uh, oh, be dip great. our toes back in the water after a couple of decades. Decades, see if it's uh, see if it's palatable, and if not, we'll try it again in forty years. I'm not, <laughs> dipping, my I'm not dipping my toes in the tempest. You sell that to somebody else. Well, all kinds of listeners, we really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time and listening in here. Um, as usual, there's some places where you can go to interface with uh, Full Metal RPG and the Shadows One Radio Hour. In particular, we uh, attempt to remain very active on Instagram. That's Full Metal RPG on Instagram. Uh, trying to keep that Twitter game up more or less. Uh, that's uh, at Full Metal RPG on Twitter. You can follow our Facebook page, uh, which we you know post stuff on. Uh, you can follow my personal adventures at Brendan Carrion on Instagram and at Adam.Sync on Instagram. And then of course, don't ever oh God, don't ever look our great web page, FullMetalRPG.com. Uh, check that out. And, uh, you know, always contribute, always reach out. If you've got questions or whatever, please, we want to hear them. If, uh, if, you, if, if you have the opportunity, please go on iTunes and leave us a review. In fact, we got a new one. We got a new, we got a new five-star review, guys. Um, Are you going to read it? Shit, yeah, you know what? I'm going to read it. And it's going to take me a second to, to pull it up, so I'm going to... Um, have we'll to, just edit this out and post. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit out the part where I'm fucking around with this phone. Take that. We'll just, we'll just snip <laughs> yeah, that. No not, one will I'm ever not, know. I'm not, not going to make anybody listen to this shit. 
where Cut I'm just off. like where I'm sitting here fucking typing full metal <laughs> RPG. Well, now you're just dictating it. It's like <laughs> well, the castle. Look, when, when you type in full full me, we are number two. We're, nice. underneath, we're underneath a podcast called Full Metal Jackie that I will never listen to, but above a podcast called Full Metal Hipster. Well, now I'm going to listen. Used, <laughs> we used to be below Full Metal I'm not going to listen wow. to anything but Full Metal Jackie from now on. Oh. And I am going to incorporate that Shadowrun downtime system that you talked about earlier into all of my games where yeah. everyone is going to have to roll body and take <laughs> fatigue points. And You're, it's going to be amazing. All right. Here's our newest review. Here's our latest review, guys. This is from Dead Goon. It was, it was written on November 23rd of this year. It says, what a great podcast. Metal, goth, RPG, vampires. This is right in my wheelhouse. Brendan and crew are all knowledgeable, funny, and entertaining. Keep it up. So, Dead Goon, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for, or, or, or Miss, whatever. I've always wanted to be an and crew. Thank you for, yes, yes. for, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for taking the time. And reach out to me, tell him, tell me, tell me who you are. Let's strike up a conversation. I, I really appreciate Dead Goon. Yeah, thank you, Dead Goon. We really appreciate this. So, you, you know, ever find yourself in Phoenix, I'll give you a back massage. It might get a little weird, but don't worry about it. It's I, just I, we're just gonna see what happens. We're just he's gonna a, he's a big. We'll be in a Prius. He's we're gonna, a, he's we're a gonna big, let he's it go. We're gonna tease. see what happens. Anyway, in all, in all honesty, we, we're looking for them five star reviews. We'll read them on the air. We 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 need the five star reviews to help get the word out about the show. So tell your friends, please give us a review. If you don't feel like you can give us a review, if you're like, oh, that shows a fucking piece of shit, write me and see if there's anything I can do to to address your concerns. Um, but again, thank you for listening. Uh, we always appreciate you tuning in to the Shadows Run Radio Hour, and we will see you again next month. Have a good night. Peace. Bye, everyone. Bye. One and all, let us out.